We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hey guys, I want to tell you about a new podcast we got coming out on Blue Wire. It's uh, Abner Mares. He's a championship, world championship boxer. He's an Olympian. He's a sports commentator. And most importantly, he's a papa. He's a dad to two little girls. He's beloved by his abuelas and hardcore fans alike. Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and outside the ring. And on Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we're going to hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man that he is. Uh, he just had LL Cool J on. He's talking about all sorts of different things, you know, from his story coming up from the streets to boxing champion. You know, he relives uh, the, the American dream that Abner's had. He just recently became a U.S. citizen um, and talks about the state of boxing. So the guy's super entertaining, has a lot of different things happening, talks sports, music, culture, his family life. You'll, you'll hear from his family. Uh, again, some of the, he taps his Rolodex of celebrity friends that he has and has them on the show. Super entertaining. Um, but you can definitely listen to On The Hook anywhere where you guys listen to your podcast. That's Stitcher, Apple, Spotify. And on Tuesdays, he puts a podcast out in English. And then on Wednesdays, he's putting episodes out in Spanish. So we got ourselves a bilingual podcast. 
I have not seen that done before. Um, really cool guy, fun fun guy to talk to. I've spoken with him a, a number of times just through um, his dealings with Blue Wire and us producing the podcast. So definitely check it out when you get an opportunity on the hook with Abner Mares. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 493, brought to you today by Indeed and Bet Online. Scott, we were going to maybe do a Monday episode, but it was crickets after those end-of-season Yankees press conferences. I said at the end of the last show, maybe I'll find something to complain about, but there was just nothing. There was Absolutely nothing, there was nothing, nothing to even complain about. You could have complained that you, you didn't get your, your, uh, your World Series it that was you close. wanted for. It was close. The Rays almost choked it away. I know it was. I was. I. I I'm shocked that they got to that point. To be honest, and um, I'm very happy that it went. It played out the way it did. I. I really am. I'm. I'm. I, st- I stand by that. I did not want the Astros getting into the World Series because it just would have supported their narrative, and I did not want that to happen. So the ALCS was the lowest rated ALCS ever. And I imagine this might be the lowest rated World Series ever. And if it was the Astros versus the Dodgers rematch, I don't know, maybe it would be a little bit better. Maybe it's just a year in 2020 with the election right around the corner and people just like, you know what? Sports are not important right now. So maybe that's just the case no matter what we do because the NBA finals had bad ratings. NHL finals had bad ratings. Football's down. So maybe just no matter what you do, it'd be down. But man, I don't know. Dodgers, I guess, have some... The Dodgers have a massive interest. fan base. A massive fan base, too. Like, when you talk about fan bases that go deep, the Dodgers are, I think, are number one in social media um, as far as, like, allegiance or whatever. I've seen a couple different polls that, that puts them on top, like, significantly higher than the Yankees, which I was surprised about. And they've um, got they've got their own drought of their own. 1988 was yeah. the last time they won a World Kirk Series. Gibson. And they've been there. They've been there a bunch over the last five years specifically, but they've been the class of the National League for a decade and just haven't been able to win. Yeah, they're very much trying not to be the Buffalo Bills. The, uh, <laughs> they, they don't want to be the the team that continues to get to the dance and then can't win the dance. So, I don't know. I, I think, do Are you we, care who wins the World Series? Do you... Do I care? I mean, I guess I would prefer the Rays not to win. So Really? Yeah, why not? I don't want them to be happy. I mean, they, can, they, they should be happy with everything that's happened so far, right? Like to, this is the best year of the Rays. You know, you could, you could look at it probably the, the, the one or two best teams that they've ever had. Well, yeah, they did go to the world series in 2008. Right. They've, so they've been there before, but you could argue that this is a better team. The, uh, the, maybe not though. That was, Carl Crawford was on that team, right? Like, like when he was actually a, a good player. Yeah. David Price was, I think a rookie. They had Longoria. Longoria. They had, was that Scott Casimir? Was he on the on the race? I don't know if he then? was on that team then. They had your boy Gar- Rocco Baldelli. Gar- I think they had Garza, right? Garza and um, big game James Shields. Right. That rotation was pretty decent. Actually. It was. I mean, James Shields was a very effective pitcher early in his career. He he was a big game a big game pitcher throughout when he went to Kansas City as well. Uh, was your boy Baldelli still on that team? I don't think so. I think by was Fred McGriff on that team. Fred McGriff most definitely Wade was Boggs? not on that team. Possibly no. Wade Boggs was drinking beers in the in the clubhouse with them, but not playing baseball for Got them. it. Okay. I don't know. 2008, 
feels like eternity ago. <laughs> I don't even remember. 2019 feels like an eternity ago. You can't even imagine what 10 years plus was. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, so we, uh, we did predictions for um, the, the Blue Wire account, put out some predictions from some of the baseball podcasts. And you had? I said raise in seven. Okay. I went, I was originally going to say raise in six. And I thought more about it and I said, nope, not going to happen. I got Dodgers in six and I wouldn't be surprised if it's Dodgers in five. Do you think that the the pitching for the Rays is just eventually going to hit a wall? It's just too many, too many innings over the past month or, or is it some other reason? I think two things. I think that yes, they've had the, they've had a ton of work, a lot of work. And so I don't, I don't, I think that they have to be that it, they got exposed a little bit in the, the Houston series when they when they went up against an offense that could that could score some more runs as well. But, <laughs> that, could, that didn't strike out at an alarming do, rate. You know, a fifty percent chance of of a home run or strikeout. But uh, so I think they got exposed a little bit. Not not to say exposed like talent exposed, but just tiresome. I think the the wear is definitely on them. I think at the end of this, you're going to see some tired ass dudes in, in on both sides. And I think that the Dodgers offense is just that much better than the Rays offense. And they're hot right now. And they got Seager going. So I think that they're going to, I think that offense is actually going to come out on top. Yeah. And I, I think that, I, and they do have, they have the pitching. They have enough pitching, I think to win. They have enough pitching. Um, yeah. I wonder how much the, the bubble f- played into the 3-0 comeback for the Astros. If, if those games were being played in front of fans or at each other's stadiums, do you think they get to a game seven? Because I, I, I do happened really with the Yankees think... Astros and they, they all lost the home game. So no, I, I, I know that. And, and in this scenario, the Rays would have been the home team. So they would have been up 3-0 still playing in Houston. So Houston would have had two more home games, just like the Red Sox did in 2004. Unfortunately, the the Astros pushing a game seven just brought up bad memories from 2004. Like I got text messages from my dad being like, oh, are the Rays going to pull a Yankees here? And then we just started going down a rabbit hole of why the Yankees blew that series. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, it still hurts. Okay. 16 years later, yeah. still stings. Yeah. That's 2008 t- might be fuzzy in my memory, but 2004 is not. 2004 was brutal. Absolutely. And the fact that it had never happened before was even more brutal. So yeah, coming back it's, again, I, I did not also wanted to be attached to the Astros in any other piece of it would historical. Have. I know it would have been. It would have pissed me <laughs> off again because 2017. Obviously, we know for why we're attached. And then if we were attached in this capacity, but the Astros were the other team, it would have really bothered me. Yeah, because that's how, I, that, I that's being talked that. about 20 years later, 30 years later. Oh, sure. Certainly. It's never happened in any other. Has that happened in hockey? It's happened in hockey, I believe, right? I Yeah, I think it I think it has happened in hockey. I think, actually I think it happened Bruins, recently in hockey. I think the Bruins blew a 3-0 lead in hockey. Maybe. Like 2000, early 2010s. Um, they also won a Stanley Cup. So anyway, it, it's never happened in baseball, never happened in basketball. Uh, but the uh, yeah, it would have definitely. It's it just people were talking about it even just to push the game seven. And if it and if like you said, if it happened, then that's in the history books. It's that's just never going to be we're never going to hear the end of that. Right. Did, so did that change your mind at all when it went to that game seven? Did you still want the Astros to get into the World Series for your storyline, or me, or was this now they've 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 come into different territory at this point, overcoming the three zero deficit? And if they were to finish that, that's completely new territory, different territory, and very very scarce territory when talked about. So did that change your mind? In reality, I don't care. 
at all who plays in the World Series. Like, 0% care. I'm just saying from a slight interest standpoint, if I were to watch the World Series, which I will not be, who would I want to watch? And it would be Astros-Dodgers, not Rays versus Dodgers or Rays versus Braves or or anything like that. Only because of the storylines, not because of the baseball. Yeah, of course. Because the baseball is going to be better here. Who watch... Who watches baseball for the baseball at this point? Yeah, this this series actually on paper will be very interesting. I think. I think it's got the the potential to be a good baseball series. It's kind of like uh, it's like the Spider Man meme, except if one of the Spider Man was just like homeless because he has no money, <laughs> right. and the other Spider Man because but they operate kind of similarly. Their front offices have the, well, same, it's the same guy, right? <laughs> it's just his computer programs running these teams. Uh, yeah, kind of. They they also identify talent really well. The yeah, Tampa the Rays identified been, a lot of talent. The Dodgers have mastered spending while also developing talent and having a replenishment of talent come through the system on a yearly <laughs> basis, especially in the pitching staff. Walker yeah. Bueller, um, what's his name? Uh, May, Dustin May. Yep. Like they, they get young arms to come through the system while also being able to trade for Mookie Betts and pay him $400 million, being able to pay Clayton Kershaw, what would they pay him? $300 million, $200 million? It was a lot, Something yeah. crazy. And everyone, when that contract was signed, was like, well, that back's not going to last. And it kind of hasn't. But Even when it has, has it been effective? It's post- been very in effective post-season. in the postseason. No. Do you think if the Dodgers win a World Series and Kershaw has... One good start. Doesn't even need to have two good starts. One good start. Does that mm-hmm. change the entire narrative on him in the playoffs? If he pitches six innings of one run and they win that game and then they win the World Series? I think in Dodgers fans' minds, it it changes the narrative for them because they don't care about anything after a win. I think his, history will still remember his struggles in the in the in the postseason, but you know, we'll say in the end he won it. So it certainly helps him out immensely. I think he needs it for his own legacy, personally. Yeah. Yeah. And like, unlike some other guys, like, remember we talked about how Tanaka, his postseason numbers have now inflated to his regular season levels. So he's been about the same pitcher. Like, there is clear distinction between regular season Clayton Kershaw and postseason Clayton Kershaw. He's been much worse in the playoffs. Now, if you go on an individual level, I remember someone posting like the actual game logs of him last year and he's been put in a lot of tough spots three days rest uh uh, starts or being used out of the bullpen on one or two days rest and then he comes in and say the seventh inning with a tie game and and i think that happened last year right against the nationals didn't he come in in relief and give up a home run um it's ringing a bell i don't remember specifically so he's been put in really tough spots. Clayton Kershaw coming in in the postseason, giving up a home run. Yeah, that checks out. <laughs> but he's been put in really t- It's not like he just goes out there every four or five days and gets bombarded. You know what I mean? It's like he's been put in very specific spots because his team has needed him. He is supposed to be the ace. And he hasn't delivered most of the times. But it's, a, it's been a lot of weird starts, weird spots for him. And, and to, not, not an excuse. It's just kind of the reality. No, but and, and right now he doesn't need to. He doesn't necessarily have to be that guy. If he comes out and is the you know dominant Clayton Kershaw, then terrific. But there's not as much pressure on him to. No, he's not the best pitcher on the team point. anymore. Right. So it's a it's it's a good position for him to be in. Uh, for that for that respect, does that doesn't help his physical ailments, but uh, mentally, if that's what you're trying to get past, if that's if that's a real thing for him, then you know hopefully he can overcome that. 
But yeah. I would like to see the Dodgers win this game. And again, I've had I've had not not to say an allegiance, but I've had I've always had an eye on the Dodgers throughout my whole life because I used to go down to Vero Beach, Florida during um, when I was a kid for summer and some of our spring break. So I would see the Dodgers down there in spring training. I would go to Vero Beach Dodgers games at Dodger Town, Holman Stadium. And like that whole town, it used to be really just awesome. It was a cool little baseball town. Obviously, the Dodgers have since left and they've gone to Arizona now, but there was a restaurant called Duke Snyder's. Uh, there was just a lot of a lot of uh, Dodgers themed things happening in Vero Beach. Um, I think they've since made that that park a uh, like a tournament field. But so I've always had my eye on uh, on the Dodgers as like the National League team. Do you think they really satis- outrighted, root for, rooted for them? But no, yeah. it's impossible. I think to root for two teams. Yeah, I it's like I, I, if they're gonna if on the National League, if someone comes out, like let's let's have it be the Dodgers. Sure. Do you think this will satisfy Dodgers fans and their organization as a World Series? Like they've been trying to get this World Series for ten years now, and now it's this one that you're getting. It's kind of like, eh. I mean, they've been trying to get it for ten years, but they've been trying to get it since, like you said, 1988 when Kirk Gibson hit the home run. They've, well, they've sure, been... but like legitimately, you can say they were the National League favorites for sure almost every year of the last ten years, right? But. Yes, but the, as a fan base, their drought goes back. Yes, that they should have. They were in positions to win it for the past, you know, however many years. Uh, so I don't know. I think they. I think they will. I, it feels like every fan base at this point, to be honest, as we've gone through the playoffs, the play the playoffs to me have felt real. Uh, I don't think they've felt diminished at all. If that, I, I don't think they have. I think not. The, the, not the, having the home crowd there well, for the sure, Yankees. Okay. For that Yankees Rays series, not having the home crowd there, just playing in an empty stadium definitely took something away. No, absolutely. Yeah, let me let me let me rephrase what I'm saying. I'm I'm more talking to like the the quality of baseball, to the baseball on the on the field, the players. Like it does the tension is real. It it feels like postseason games in that respect. And okay. I think that because of that, I, I don't think it's gonna be as diminished uh now that we are here. I still think that this is gonna be looked at as a World Series because it was so it was a challenge. It was a different type of challenge. Yeah, it was 162 games, but it was challenging like for, for these guys to get through this season, all of the teams. And I think that there's going to be, it'll always be a talking point because it was different, but I don't think it'll it'll be reflected as like a negative. Well, and also uh, the, a, big arg- a, negative. A, big, a big argument that people made when the 60 game schedule was announced and then especially when the expanded postseason was announced was that, Oh, you're going to get teams that don't belong in the playoffs, possibly winning a World Series or possibly making it to a championship series, and that didn't happen. The it final did four, with the Astros. No, but the final four teams were the teams that you could have penciled in there back in February. I know the Astros finished below 500 in this regular season, but back in February we penciled them as one of the best teams in the American League. Yeah, before Verlander went down. Yes. Yeah, and and they had a, a lot of guys have bad regular seasons. I think. A lot of it due to the cheating scandal and the mental strain on that was definitely had to be part of it. Yeah. And then actually being able to hit a ball when you don't know it's coming. Like, that's tough. It's a hard thing to do. Do you realize they still struck out the least amount in the major leagues? Yeah, I don't believe it. (laughs) You don't believe it? (laughs) (laughs) Nope. They had the lowest strikeout rate in the major leagues for the second consecutive year. I disagree. Okay, you disagree. Numbers <laughs> numbers never lie, Scott. But but so yes, I know they had low batting averages, but they still did the things that make them a tough lineup. 
especially yeah. in the postseason. We have a mailbag question. Great. About they have good hand-eye coordination. That's terrific. It's just a matter of how they handle, uh, you know, the actual pitch and like what they do with it. You know, the result of said hand-eye coordination. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it when we answer that mailbag question. But if you're a lineup that doesn't strike out a lot in the postseason, that makes it really difficult to put a team away in a playoff series. I don't disagree with you. I I want that. I want that type of lineup. I want a lineup that has. Uh, that gives pitchers fits striking out. I I want that. That I yearn for that. That is the <laughs> construction of a lineup that I want badly. Give me one or two home run hitters and a bunch of gap guys, and I will be happy. <laughs> so I guess speaking of strikeouts, this is a good way to transition to the report from Mark Feinsand a couple a uh, couple days ago that the Yankees were open quote open to trading Gary Sanchez back in August. The let me quickly read the report. According to sources, the Yankees were open to the idea of trading Gary Sanchez in August, though no deal ultimately came to fruition. Could the Yankees move Sanchez, who is arbitration eligible for two more seasons, and make a play for Real Muto? One one catch could be the price tag. The Yankees laid off a number of staffers this season, so it remains to be seen whether they jump back into the deep end of the free agent pool. Yeah, I mean, Hal Steinbrenner's crying poor on the Michael Kay show. Yankees lost more money than any team in baseball. How are they going to pay for the... How are the lights going to... Are they going to have to play in the dark or maybe all day games next year because they can't afford the electricity bill at Yankee Stadium? Well, I think they're going to have to limit the amount of um, you know pyrotechnic, pyro, pyrotechnics that they do for, word. for when um, or all this Chapman comes in. Like the flashing of the lights, the turning off. Oh, the off flashing of the lights. That is hell on, a, up hell, the hell on, yeah. an, on an energy bill. Or does beer just get increased 25%? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody would blink at that. It's probably uh, it's probably the way it's going to go down. They'll be of, they'll be interesting on how the prices go up with the concessions. It'll be probably yeah. significant. Either, yeah, you think so? So it's going to be like fourteen dollar Bud Lights instead of eleven dollar Bud Lights. Yeah, when I say significant, it's it's a percentage that you're not going to really hey feel. When you multiply that by millions. Right. Oh, yeah. It's going to be huge for them. It's a big bottom line number. But as the consumer, it's still just going to be expensive. (laughs) Yes. Yes, exactly. You still wake up the next morning, look at your credit card. Oh, it's $11. It's $14. Like, whoop, not going to buy that. No, yeah, I'm getting the beer. I'm getting the beer. And I'm going to get the tall boy. (laughs) It makes it even more important that you, you buy those $1 water bottles from the street vendors outside the stadium. That is true. Don't buy water inside the state. Don't be an idiot and buy water out inside the stadium. You can walk in with an unopened bottle of water. Do that. Um, so were you surprised by this report? Were you like, what was your reaction to this report? So the funny, the, the best part of the report is that nobody, nobody, answered no one the answered the phone. <laughs> like, it's like Cashman like sent out a mass Cashman sent out a max text message and just every, he saw everyone read it. No replies. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't a lot of interest coming back for him, which probably... You know, that seems hard to believe, actually. I can't imagine Look, no one answers the phone on Gary Sanchez. Oh, people may trying have... To buy, trying to buy low on him. You're a team that's like, oh, if I can get Gary Sanchez for a couple of like of of a flyer prospect and maybe someone out of, the, out of my bullpen, and maybe he turns into the best offensive catcher in the league again, I'm a genius. I have a hard time believing no one answers the phone on Gary Sanchez. I I think that there was probably a okay, I'll answer the phone, but let me know where we are first. Like give me a parameter. Well, they're probably still asking for major return on Sanchez because that's of the, the potential there. And that's that in lies the problem. 
no team is going to take on that risk for top prospect in their organization or one of their best young controllable starters. This is not worth the risk for that team. Cashman is going to go out and try to find someone stupid to accept a deal that's way too much. That's what he does. That's what he's always done. Seattle Mariners, they're they're usually Seattle the Mariners, stupid partner. Although call, call Billy Bean. Call, no, he's Billy call Bean's Arizona, not with the Athletics anymore. Call, Billy Bean's going to be working on MLS or on uh, Premier League Soccer for the for the Henry Group. He's going to be scouting. He's scouting the fast pitch at at uh, Fenway Park. Look, they're they're doing. They're gonna. He's gonna do his due diligence and call around to the to the the people that you know answer the phone most and give him the deals that he wants. So he's gonna make these phone calls and find out what's up. But uh, I just don't think it was going to be realistic for for what they were asking for. Probably the, the yeah, arbitration you, eligible because he's two years. He still has two years of arbitration. Like that's a that's a controllable asset now that has a lot of upside theoretically. <laughs> yeah, and maybe the Yankees are deeming he's lost within our organization. We're never gonna get him back for our team, and that. That might be something they decide, and who knows? We, we'll never know that. But it, the, the whole change of scenery plan that GMs love to use, that's a big thing, change of scenery. Yeah, but it has to be a significant pull for Cashman because the the downside outweighs the the um, the positives big time because of the arbitration eligible. He's cheap right now. There's not a lot of risk with him currently besides bad performance. So if, risk- you're, if you're trading him out, you better get something because you're not really paying that much for him uh, based on what could be. So there's more value with him here because of the arbitration, unless you're getting exceeding value from somebody else who, uh, you know, has a, has a, a different asset that, that complements your team more or overvalues the, the existing asset being Gary Sanchez. If you're looking at the Yankees from a five plus year plan, definitely. But if you're looking at it like, we need to win a championship in one of these next two or three years while Garrett Cole is still an ace and Aaron Judge is still under arbitration and Giancarlo Stanton isn't late 30s being paid $30 million a year. You know, all of those things. If this is your championship window for the next, say, two seasons, the risk is Gary Sanchez is not a World Series winning catcher. If that's what some some people believe that, I'm not sure I believe that because I still think I still think 2017 Gary Sanchez exists within him. Can they get it back? I don't know. So, do you, what do you think? Like, do you think that Gary Sanchez will never turn into the player that we saw in 2017, which was a 270 hitter, 33 home runs, solid enough behind the plate, like? I'm sick like, of waiting for it. I'm sick of. I'm sick of. I, I am too. I'm but getting you to. Think a, he could get back there, but I'm getting to. A, I'm really getting to like a Michael Pineda point where I'm just over. I'm. 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 I'm so fed up okay. with look with looking at the potential and what I know has existed. It's frustrating. Right, so that's the to downside. Watch. If you don't think he can get there in the next one to two seasons, then you kind of have to move on now. Do or you? Or else you're going to just pay him through arbitration. Then he's going to go sign somewhere. In free agency, you're not going to sign him. Well, unless you're but, getting a return, then you might as well hang on to him. Because do you do you see? I mean, Gary Sanchez could be a backup catcher. Why not? Why not go out? You're, you're again. You're not paying a, a huge amount for him. So why not keep him on the roster? What if he's their backup catcher and you go out and sign another guy? Like what? Who's saying you can't do that? Yeah, I mean, you could. That would be kind of a weird scenario because he he still is an expensive backup catcher. He's gonna in arbitration. He's gonna make like eight to ten million dollars. Right, so you you see him as a guy that that has the potential to um you know to you feel good about him as a as a as a catcher that is you know splitting time with someone else potentially or 
you know, can can be a um, a power bat off the off the bench. You know, he's still valuable here, even if he's not your everyday catcher, because he's relatively cheap and controlled. So that's yeah. that's why I think Cashman has to get the right package still, even though even though even even me, like I'm fed up with looking at it. I understand the value of him still as an arbitration eligible player for two years. Yeah. So if you can get the right package for him, would you do it? Yes. And if you would do it, do you see them going after Real Muto or do you see them bringing in someone else cheap and then having Higgy and someone else as the catching tandem? I could see them going after somebody who is uh, more of a defensive catcher and just like enough doesn't have to be a big offensive guy. So not Real Muto. I don't think Real Muto. I don't think it. I don't think it makes a ton of sense uh, to to go out and just like spend big on a on another catcher right now. I just. I don't. He's going to get paid because so one scout, anonymous scout in uh, in an article I read called him the best free agent position player on the market, and they compared him to some of the other um, catchers that signed at about his age. So Romuto will be thirty on opening day, and he is, I think, you can say the best overall catcher in baseball for the past few seasons. I think I put some numbers in here. So 2016 to 2020. He played 595 games and had a 115 W, uh, excuse me, 115 OPS plus. Um, not elite level offensively, but very solid for the catching position, and he is a good defender. Uh, so some of the comps to him on the high end are Mauer and Posey, who each signed in sort of their mid 20s, and they signed Mauer signed for 184 million dollars over eight years, Posey 167 million over nine years, and then sort of on the low end. Grendahl, Martin, McCann, each signed in their early 30s for four to five years, 70 to 85 million. So I think Real Muto is going to fall somewhere closer to 100 million, I would say. Five years? I think he'll get five years. going to be 30. That's, that's, that's I'd say, about about right. Um, yeah, McCann, McCann was got five. McCann got five years, 85 million. So I that was in 2013. Grandall, so you I, have to look at Grandall then because he's the closest comp and he was uh, four for 73 and he was 30. But, but Romoto is better than Grandall. Yeah, but so I think you're if you're looking at contracts, year. if you're, I'm sorry, I'm just saying if you're looking at recent contracts, that's probably the one you're okay. looking at. Yeah, but so I would say add a year to Grandall's contract and you're looking at five years, $90 million. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't want to be attached. I guess I just don't want to be attached to a, a catcher for five years either. And the Yankees have drafted a catcher I think like every single year for the past yeah. ten years. And so we got Anthony Siegler. Yep, he's the switch the switch hitting catcher. Yeah, he's he's not. I don't think he's panning out. I don't think he so has not either. been playing Actually, unless there's pull up. A, a, a big, um, unless there's a big change in his development. I from from what I was. Talking, no, he fell talking out of to, their top ten. I remember he talking to Ben Badler about 10. him as well, and Ben and he was not high on him at all. So I'm I'm pulling up their top thirty prospects. The, um, the kid they just drafted, who projects as more of a bat, possibly a you know he could turn into a uh, corner outfielder or a first baseman potentially. Do you remember his name? I'm drawing a blank on his name. I'm drawing a blank myself. Oh, Austin Wells. Yep, that's him. Yeah, Austin Wells is there. The kid who had the overall. he had a, a fantastic celebration when the Yankees picked him. Like that's that's the type of reaction I want from someone picked by the New York Yankees. It's exactly so how I want it. Austin Wells, catcher, ranked number six overall in their organization. 
And they've got the next catcher down is Siegler, ranked 16 overall in their organization. Neither on the top 100 prospect list. Right. I mean, it's Wells could, with with uh, some progression, could get onto that list. But yeah, I, th- I think it's uh, it's time away. So maybe five years isn't isn't totally crazy. Um, but well, they put they put uh, 2023 as Austin Wells's earliest ETA. Yeah. So five years is pretty spot on. Then you don't. That's that's probably aggressive too. Three years. Well, I think that's what the Yankees' plan was probably when they signed McCann was have him transition right into Gary Sanchez. And that is how it ended up happening. But Gary Sanchez burst onto the scene so strongly in 2016 that he had to be the catcher in 2017. Yeah, it's true. Look, I I think that if a trade is going to happen with Gary Sanchez, it's going to be a a young pitcher. I think that's that's where they're going to be looking if they can get something that. Why uh, would a team trade a young pitcher? I don't know, but I'm, I'm, that's probably what they're looking for. I don't really know what else they'd be looking for. Are you not looking for another catcher. Are you looking for a position player? Like where? No, see, but I think the the return. If put yourselves put yourself in the shoes of another GM, you're giving up a decent major league bullpen arm and a decent prospect, a top seven or eight prospect in your organization in like Gary Sanchez single a double a I would say it's probably gonna be probably it might a. even be tri- might even be triple a and that might be like a triple a AAA pitcher who like might be a bullpen arm might be a f- number five starter we have like nine getting. we have 19 exactly. of those guys yeah I, don't, we I have, would rather the, get, give me some upside with a, a kid that's in single a that has more potential in two years there, the, those those guys those those Michael King type guys are growing on trees and they're growing on trees in Scranton right now they're everywhere Yes, but that's what you're going to get for Gary Sanchez. I don't know if that's worth it. So that's that's my point. That's the, that's where the value the value prop doesn't seem to be there when you have two years of uh, arbitration and but he's making five five point seven five this year. In, I'm yeah. sorry, in 2021, at age 28. So that's 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 too cheap. It's too cheap to to pass up for nothing. You can't trade that for a Michael King and a what a plus bullpen arm. You're not getting like a. You're not getting a. You're not getting like a a guy you can slot into the eighth inning. Uh, because the, the I mean, maybe maybe if he's expensive to that team and they're like, well, he's going to be a free agent in a year, kind of like David Robertson. You know how David Robertson was at the end of a big contract for the White Sox. You might get that, but do you want that? Yeah, maybe maybe that, but it doesn't seem like it's a it's a very specific uh, ask when you're getting him, and it's and it's going to be overvalued in sub capacity, or you just don't make the deal. So look, I. I am sick of Gary Sanchez uh, underperforming. That I want him to perform. I still like it's still there. I love the the potential, but it's frustrating as all hell, and we've been watching it for a very long time. It feels like so, but but at the same time, when I look at that arbitration number, I'm like, you can't trade that guy right now. You have to play this out and and make him be better. (laughs) Like figure it out, figure it out. Because you're right, it is there. The talent's there. How do you unlock it? Yeah, that's the tricky question they have not been able to figure out basically for three years. 2019 was okay on paper, but you watch it day to day and you're like, who's the best trainer in the world? The best. The best like athletic trainer? Yeah, yeah, like motivational athletic trainer. Like who is that person? Whoever that person is, hire them. The P90X guy? Yeah, give me like, yeah, some of the... um, yeah, give me, give me, what's his name? Billy Blank, not Billy Blanks. That's Tybo from like way back in the day. You need to get somebody who is high energy, who will whip his ass into shape 
and <laughs> and light a fire and like figure it out and then go because I do believe some of it is uh is upstairs. Oh, but I thought Joe Girardi was too difficult of a manager for Gary Sanchez. No, you make you trick with. him into liking it. That's what you do. How do you do that? You just figure that out. There are people who can do that. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there's no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. And I've used this before to hire. Let me tell you, $75, you're probably going to get your candidate. You're going to get a ton of candidates with that amount of credit. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The wait is finally over, guys. Football is back. You may not be at a game this year, but you can still be on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every single possible chance to win the season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on the season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. So quickly before we move on to eye test versus nerd test, the Zach Britton contract option, which will come up three days after the World Series. Uh, let me quickly go through this. So the Yankees must tell Britain if they're picking up the two-year option for $27 million total uh, within three days after the World Series. If they want to pick that up, the Yankees have them signed for $13.5 million through 2022. If they don't pick that up, Britain can exercise a one-year option for $13 million within two days after the Yankees telling him that they're not picking him up. And if he picks that up, he's signed for one year, $13 million. Or he can decline it altogether and become a free agent. And this is a Scott Boris concoction. Scott Boris calls this a swell pot. <laughs> Ken Rosenthal tweeted, it's a swell pot. A what? <laughs> For the club. If the player performs well, the club can opt in. Contract swells. For the player, if the club doesn't opt in, the player has a choice to continue with the contract. Swell or opt out. It's a swell option for both. Freaking it's, Scott Boris. I hate you. He's but you're making, so good at your job. He's making he's making up names for the contracts too. He's he's going in there and adding uh he's he's he probably already has it trademarked swell pot. K 
cannot yeah, use so it unless he, he gets... He is projecting this to be the future of, of contract opt-in, opt-outs. Because we used to just have the sign a free agent to a big contract. He might not like it, so give him an opt-out after the first couple of years. Now it's going to be tricky-dicky where it's like, oh, opt-in for two, opt-in for three, opt-out for five. Like, what the hell's going on here, Scott Boris? Go make another billion dollars, why don't you? Yeah, so it's it's an interesting play, right? You're going to either, in, if you want him back, you're going to get him back for $13 million. Either way, uh, you have you have year. to pick this up. You have to pick this or up. Or you just you're you're declining the second thirteen million essentially is what you're doing if you want him back. Uh, I think he's if if the Yankees don't pick this up, I think he opts out and becomes a free agent. He had a great year. Yeah. He'll get more than thirteen million. And he'll get more than two years. He'll get more than one year thirteen million dollars on the open market. You agree? Yes. He's a closer. He could get so, he, he he's looking for closing jobs too that that will pay more. So I I bet he's hoping the Yankees don't pick it up because he could go sign a four year contract for some for someone. Right. Yeah. I think the Yankees absolutely have to pick it up. He's a he's a he's a ground ball pitcher who's effective and and has experience closing. Yeah. You he, you uh, gotta re-sign him. And he's all healthy now. Like there was a, there was a time when we didn't know if he was going to be the same guy or, or as effective or effective. Like saying as effective before it's tough because he was he was like all time at that he had that that year that was uh, almost a Cy Young uh, caliber year. But he's a very 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 good relief pitcher that you want on your team. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's a no brainer that the Yankees picked that up, and I think that's exactly actually probably a little bit below market value for Zach Britton. Uh, AAV. Well, it depends on how you're looking at him. For for Say, him, as, if he was a free, if he's a free agent this year, yeah. you're not getting him for two years at thirteen. And no, but again, I think he's he'll go he'll look for a closing job, which which does pay more. Right. So you're probably so you're you're paying under market him. because you're actually he's being misappropriated based on the contract. But the Yankees paid him like a closer to pitch in the eighth inning. Yeah, but I mean, how much is Chapman making? Seventeen million, but he's the highest closer in the game. Okay. Most closers are making 13 to 15. Like uh, Craig Kimbrell signed for, I think, 14 or $15 million with the Cubs. After not signing for a very long time. Right. So I think Britain will, you're getting below market value for Zach Britton. It's a good deal. You, you pick him up. Yeah. I test versus nerd test. Jordan Montgomery, he had the good start in the playoffs to keep the Yankees in the series. But the eye test overall in the season said he was not good. Two and three record, 5.11 ERA. And Hold on, is that the eye test? It's eye test. That's the eye test. You just you just gave me numbers. Well, I said the eye test is not good. I mean, eye test is also people use ERA because that's what they put up on the television. I, when I say eye test, I don't look at numbers. I tell you what I what I see literally with my eyes. I look okay, at the, well, I look at the player and I evaluate and I and and I evaluated when I saw him at the end of the year. I saw progression it looked like he was more comfortable it looked like he was executing pitches better towards the end of the season like last three to four starts like i saw glimpses of jordan montgomery's uh potential within there way more than the beginning of the season so everyone's you, eyesight is different their eyesight but it's a matter of like you know seeing it's it a matter of perspective perspective so i able to one thing i like things. to look at one thing i like to look at is game logs and if you see any consistency whatsoever and he had no consistency this season. First start of the year was great. Five and two-thirds innings, one run. Then he had a stinker. Four innings, five runs. Then he had a decent start. Six innings, three runs. Then he had a shitty start. Three, 3.2 innings, one run. Then he had... Uh, he got pulled because he thrown a million pitches in that game. <laughs> then five innings, three runs. Then he gets Four, knocked out against... the fourth inning might be a quality start at this point. 
Then he gets knocked out in the first inning. Worst start of the year against Tampa. The whole Brasseau incident was the night before. Two-thirds of an inning, four runs. Then against Toronto, three and a third innings, two runs. Then against Baltimore, five and two-thirds innings, one run. Then Boston, four and two-thirds, four runs. Then five and a third, three runs. So it's just it's back and forth, short start, decently long start, one run, four runs, three runs, two runs. It's a, there was no consistency at all. In this season. I mean, and, and honestly, like, that's why I throw out the numbers for Jordan Montgomery this year. I saw, this is what I saw. I saw, and I have been talking about this. I saw a guy that, that, um, didn't look completely comfortable, didn't have the feel, didn't have, you know, whether it was just full control of the mechanics of the body and all these things, trying to get back into a, a rhythm, um, pretty much all season. But I did see some things at the end of the year where it did look like he was, uh, controlling his pitches a little bit more velocity was there control was a little bit more there. It looked like he was the, the, um, spinning the breaking ball in a better way that was more effective. That's what I saw. I saw him getting more comfortable towards the end, whether the results are there completely at the end or not. To me, that's a different story. I saw a guy that like, okay, I'm I'm completely getting rid of this year for him and I want to see what he is for next year. But at least I saw some of what I thought we were going to see towards the end of the year. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing. What are expectations for Montgomery in 2021? And if you want to get excited for his season next year, some of the nerd test numbers on him were actually pretty good. 3.87 FIP and 3.86 expected ERA, much lower than his actual ERA of 5.11. He was in the top 8% of the league in walk percentage, and he was in the top 5% of the league in average exit velocity. So those are very good numbers that show he can be an effective pitcher. He just needs to be more consistent. So to ask the question, and partially to answer the question, what are expectations for Jordan Montgomery in 2021? You got to be more reliable. I know he's not going to be a number one or even a number two, but if you are going to be a number three pitcher, you can't get knocked out in the first inning against Tampa. You can't routinely go less than four innings in starts. You have to give them five innings every start out. Minimum. Well, I, I so I think that I think that he absolutely has the ability to do that. I, I don't think he's a number three either. I think he's gonna he's gonna really and again, we you know what what do these numbers really mean? The three, four, five, they're pretty goddamn close. I'd say he might three, have to be next year because of the, the way the Yankees rotation is setting up without Severino for half the season. And that's a very good thing. I think I think him coming in as as a back of the rotation guy, like a, a four starter, five starter, is a really good thing for him because I think he can do that. I think he can he could give you some consistency, uh, get deeper into. Uh, he's got the arsenal, the, the 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 type of pitches to get deeper into games. I believe. I believe that on a third time through a rotation, he's not as easily hit as some of the other guys. Well, the, um, the numbers prove that the barrel percentage yeah. is good. The 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 exit average exit velocity is good. Those numbers show that you can pitch three times through the order and not get not get crushed and we saw early returns and early you know signs of his fastball actually increasing the velocity too so if yeah, he but get, that kind of disappeared in the regular season well i i think again throwing out seeing when he came out hot i think is is interesting i think throughout the season he you know maybe maybe it was just him coming out hot and throwing uh throwing maybe those you know, radar guns and tampa were radar exactly were accurate. hot but um yeah, he's he's got to get back. He's got to find his his mechanics again, and I think he started to do that towards the end of the year. So I am I am bullish on Jordan Montgomery still. I think that he can um, very much help, you know, be the four or five in a Yankees in a Yankees rotation. And I think he's a good four or five. 
So I dug up projections from Fangraphs at the beginning of 2020 before the COVID shutdown, and they projected for a full season of Montgomery 188 innings, which I found surprising because no Yankee pitcher goes 188 innings anymore. So they must not know that they just pull pitchers after 77 pitches and four innings. If Jordan Montgomery gets to 188 innings next year, everyone get down on their knees and thank it. Thank him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that means he's been very good. I mean, he's very good and... and- to, to what you're asking, very consistent. Yes, you have to be consistent. Uh, he has the ability to be consistent. I agree with which, that. And I think that's why he's a, a kind of a perfect number four. Yeah. Mailbag questions before we wrap up. So this one's from James. He says, I keep hearing how home runs are the key to winning in the playoffs, which is true. But I think teams like the Yankees are taking the wrong lesson from this and swinging for the fences nearly every pitch. When the truth is home runs don't happen in a vacuum. Singles and doubles help set up those home runs in numerous ways, adding to pitch counts, getting in pitcher, getting the pitcher out of the stretch. If he's giving up hits on off speed, maybe he starts throwing fastballs that your sluggers can sit on and vice versa. What are your thoughts? And then he says also, haven't seen any criticism of Gary Sanchez's pitch selection to Brasso on the home run, but it was terrible. Chapman hit a spot. I don't understand throwing to a location Brasso can easily take deep when he was clear, um, clearly to, measuring up the fastball. To Sanchez, to Sanchez defense, didn't Chapman shake him off? I don't remember specifically. I think but he did. I, actually, I think he did. And afterwards, didn't we say like, well, he gave up the home run to Altuve last year, 2019, on a slider. He's not going to get beat on a slider again. It's going to be fastball. I think he shook him off. So I don't put that on Sanchez, to be honest. The, uh, but No, I don't put that on... Sa- I'm, we I'm can't saying blame that Gary specific Sanchez. thing. I know, he's asking criticism we, for it. I'm saying it. I don't think it was, Gary don't think it was his pitch selection. Everything. Yeah, no, I, I'm not. I'm trying not that to. That was here. a fantastic at-bat by Brousseau. Yes. And he beat the pitcher in the end. And usually when you go 9-10 pitches, that's what happens. Yeah, measure up that. You better have. He doesn't have that type of uh, that type of off speed stuff where you go that deep into account that you have to fear it. It's not feared, and if you're on the fastball, you can make adjustments. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, James, totally agree with you. Give me the give me the guys that can make contact, throw some balls in the gap, and move runners around, raise the pitch count, work the counts, do all these things. That's why I love DJ LeMahieu more than any man that I like to admit. I this, These are the things I like. He's he's the type of hitter that I want. And I know he's the best hitter in baseball, so it's not like, duh, of course you you want more of him. But that type of hitter, the guy that can go out, work a count, uh, grind out in that bat, and, and get a base hit, shoot a double, occasional home run, fine. I don't need the power hitters. I don't need that. Well, LeMahieu didn't have a good postseason. So for that type of hitter, he was... One of the best hitters in the regular season each of the last two years didn't have a good postseason this you're year. Right. When it's we not thought a, that it's, that sort of thing plays. You're right. He also is one of you know two to three guys that can potentially do that. So you're gonna have down times too. Like there's no one's invincible. You're not gonna always. It's it's not a definite, but it gives you, I think, a better chance of winning over a series. So I pulled some numbers. I'm not going to go through all of them. The one I find most interesting is the K percentage as a team. The Astros ranked number one. The Dodgers ranked number three. But the Braves and the Rays each ranked pretty low. The Braves number 21 and the Rays number 29. The Rays struck out the second most in baseball this year, and they're in the World Series. So it's not like as easily as saying you strike out a lot, you don't win in the playoffs because the Rays Rays are proven that wrong. But the Yankees were eighth overall in team strikeout percentage this year, but I think that's actually a little misleading. Because as they got healthier, they actually added in more strikeout guys. 
Yeah, and I think the Rays is a little. You look at how they've won, and it's really on the backs of their their pitching staff. So the they've been in a bunch of low low uh, scoring games as well. So I think that when you're looking at them, they're a bit of an anomaly just because their pitching staff is so good. Um, but but yeah, the, the the through line on a lot of these teams, if not most of them, is you strike out, you don't advance as much. More contact plays well and much better in the playoffs. Well, the ironic thing for the Yankees is as they got healthy entering the playoffs, they added in Judge, strikes out a lot. Stanton, strikes out a lot. They added back in, um, who else got healthy towards the end? Everybody. Uh, yeah, but they all strike out a lot. That being said, if you can hit home runs in the postseason, you're probably going to win games. If you the don't strike out and you, and, and you do the other the thing and you hit home runs, you're going, you're going to win. So. Yeah, I don't think we're going to find an exact formula on how to win these postseason games. I just think we know that the Yankees lineup is too susceptible to postseason pitching the way it's co- currently constructed. I think that's what we ha- we can conclude from watching them exit the playoffs the last four years. Balance. Give me more balance. Yeah. Give me different options. Greg B at GBout35 says, does do Paxton or Tanaka receive a qualifying offer from the Yankees for draft pick purposes? And uh, the TLDR version of the qualifying offer rules is that the Yankees fall into one of the 12 clubs that do not receive luxury tax compensation. So they're always over. They're one of the big market teams. They don't get money from the competitive balance, uh, competitive luxury money. So, if they were to offer that to one of their pitchers and those guys go out and sign for Asian contracts, the pick will come after competitive balance round B. And if the team loses the player, if the team that loses the player went over the luxury tax threshold, the compensation pick will be placed after the fourth round has been completed, which is the Yankees. They went over. So after the fourth round is after the fourth round really worth it. When the competitive, when the qualifying offer is $18.9 million, Paxton might take that. Paxton very well, I bet he would actually. He would take that. I don't think he's going to get a long-term deal that's going to be significant by any means based on his injury history. So yeah, if he could do a prove me deal and get lucky and stay healthy for a year, then he's going to be, you know, laughing his way to the bank as he hurts his hip uh, on the next team who signs him for four years. So yeah, I don't think they're going to sign him. Tanaka is, I think he honestly might take that too i don't think tanaka would take that but i think paxton could take that for all those reasons you just said tanaka might man that's still a decent amount for for one year and if you think that you have an opportunity to win a championship it depends what's depends what tanaka's plans are maybe unless he's getting paid and and accepting money from japan and going over there and making a boat ton of money like i don't see him making more than you know maybe, Here's maybe the around way- there j-hap j-hap was a 17 million dollar three-year three-year deal, right? So mm-hmm. Tanaka's probably going to get something similar to that. If Tanaka does not want to pitch for any major league team except the Yankees, which we have no way of knowing, then yeah, I could see him taking that because he'll say, or I'll take this and then I just got one more. I have one more year here and then I'll go back to Japan after that. Just hang on as long as you can with the Yankees. But if he's willing to sign with another team, he will get a multi-year contract. You know, this, it's a coincidence that they're both Japanese, but Hiroki Kuroda signed how many one-year deals in a row with the Yankees at around that same money? Two or three. Yeah. 
I mean, he it was but like he, fourteen. It was he, like fourteen million. He yeah. kept he kept doing it. He but kept he was signing 40. those one. He was forty years old. I know it was a matter of like if he wanted to play or not or go back to Japan. But it, that was the situation with him. That was the exact situation with him. He didn't want to play for anybody else. He wanted to at that point pitch finish with the Yankees, and uh, he was good. He was damn good at forty. Greg Hill asked uh, his Twitter handle is at legit Greg Hill. Would you give Paxton a one year prove me to stay healthy deal for ten million dollars? So what do you think the the AAV on a on a prove me Paxton contract would be? Is it going to be closer to the qualifying offer or to ten million? I think it's going to be closer to uh, closer to the qualifying offer. I think it's close to splitting the uprights. Could we get a swell pot deal? Swell pot deal a thirteen. With- Thirteen, uh, hey, hey, you got I'll give you a thirteen uh, million dollar option. Give me a thirteen million option. Who's got a thirteen million option? Two, two, two options in there. I don't know what the swell pot is. I, you lost me when you were talking. So the swell pot in this particular case. Here's how a case, swell pot Paxton deal would. I work. didn't really want to hear it again. But no, no, no. Here's how it would work. All right, Paxton, we'll give you one year, ten million dollars, and then we can pick up, say, a two or a three year option on you for fifteen million AAV. Swell pot, or or you can pick up a one year, twenty million. AAV. Swell pot. Swell pot. Swelling. It's getting bigger. Or you can be a free agent. Swell pot. All right. We'll end it with a question from Julio. And this is sort of something we talked about at the end of last episode. Star Wars and Yankees with this Star Wars analogy segment, which I loved. If we were to compare Yankees eras with Star Wars sagas, it would be something like this. The original trilogy movies, great entertainment that we that will be talked about for decades. Episodes four. A New Hope equals the 1996 Yankees. Episode 5, Empire Strikes Back, 1998 to 2000 Yankees. Uh, Return of the Jedi, 2009 Yankees. The prequel movies, Entertaining but Never de- never Delivered, Episodes 1, 2, and 3, were the 2010 to 2012 Yankees. The sequel trilogy, they've tried too hard to be like the originals, but they are not even close. Uh, Boone references intended. Episodes 7, 8, 9, 2016 to the to the current Yankees. Well, you could also th- you could also go back to if they're trying to redo like the originals, you look at how they've constructed this team to an extent as well with building from the Utes, getting the kids up through the through the system, having them all play together similar to how they built up the 90 uh, early 90s teams, mid 90s teams, championships, and then you add some complementary free agents a la, you know, uh, you, you throw your David Justices in there, you throw your Stantons in there, you throw your, you know, some of them now they're just signing guys for too goddamn long instead of just signing, you know, uh, potential boosts within the middle of a season and and uh, keeping them around. But um, yeah, their comparisons are there. I, I like I like how the uh, I like how Julio is comparing the '90s dominant teams to the first round of star wars because to me those are the core movies they're they're by far the best and i'm not even talking about the redone ones because sometimes they the the digitally enhanced oh yeah they look terrible they're annoying because i get i get like new backgrounds or like you can't even find the originals unedited versions anymore no i'm I'm, I'm like that was not in the original what what was that thing that just walked (laughs) by it's it's annoying when i see some of that they add different characters like more jar jar binks type type characters are floating through the um i mean now you could look at like how many I haven't gotten to the man, the uh, the uh, Mandalorian yet. I have not. Oh yeah, that's actually that's one of my favorite new Star Wars things. Yeah, I've heard it's very good. I have not. I know there's a new one coming out, right? So yeah. I need to get. A, the problem is that Bevan's not into it at all, and I don't have. Well, she might be because like Baby Yoda, that's like 
Nah, Cute. she's not going to care. She's not going to care. You got to get Kemp into it. Kemp's not going to care probably. for a while. Yeah. I'm, I have other things higher on the priority list, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, the. Um, well, that's all right. Wait a couple years and watch it with Kemp. Yeah, there you go. Might, might, that might happen. But I like these references. They're good. I think more so, of the construction of the team, though, because they, that's what they're yeah, trying to do. They're trying to where, construct the team. That's where I, I, I sort of went with my brain. And I was thinking those 1990s Yankees teams, you know, you had input from Stick Michael. You had Brian Cashman coming into his own. That was George Lucas, up and coming S- director. No, no, no. That was Stick, Mi- Stick Michael. Yeah, was like that guy, though. Is that who you're thinking? Because. No, I said Stick Michael, but, but Brian Cashman was the up-and-coming Yankees general manager learning from Stick Michael, who established them, set up the dynasty. Cashman sort of followed it through in the late 90s. He became general manager full-time in 1998. But those were all Stick Michael roots. Those were all Stick Michael plants. So are you trying to tell me that Brian Cashman is now like old Luke Skywalker? No, no, no. Brian Cashman now is George Lucas in the 90s, too much power, there's too too much authority trying to do everything himself, everything his way, and then you get those shitty prequels. I don't agree with this. Here's my here's here's my comp. I got I got Gene Stick Michael coming in as Obi Wan Kenobi, the good guy. Well, so you're that, comparing him to characters in the movies. Yeah, of course I am. You're going George Lucas. Okay, fine. There's too many guys now though. Like it doesn't compare because there's like eight directors. I don't even know who's, now, but yeah. for a while it was only Lucas on the prequels, but I, he had input from other people on the original. Trilogy Disney got involved. Agrees. Those I are mean, the best. Now Amazon's involved with the is Yankees. Is Amazon involved in Star Wars? With the Yankees. Oh, with the Yankees. Yeah. It's like the Disney's, you know, this guy's influencing that guy, but you go Gene Stick, Michael, Obi-Wan. We get some very clear distinctions here. Obi-Wan, who for all intents and purposes is, is the force the good side of the force, right? Like he's the guy. Then it, it's, it's, it was passed down. And, and now you're almost have like Cashman who learned from Obi-Wan is trying to do it himself, but kind of can't do it as well. Doesn't have the, the same support. He tries to, you know, work in the same type of guys, the, the, the rebels, the rebels, like, you know, the guys that are, ha- have some, uh, you know, we'll push back the Han Solo's, the, the new kid. I don't know their names in the, in this one, the, the one that the fighter pilot, you know who I'm talking about. I don't know their names, but oh. they go in and he's trying to re- duplicate this. He's trying to duplicate this rebel force. And it's just not yeah. the same. Not the same. Hasn't been the same yet. I guess we won't think it's the same until they win a championship or at least get through a couple playoff rounds. But you know what we do know in the end? The Death Star always blows up. Always so blows up. So can we up. stop doing that? No matter what. Once that Death Star becomes fully operational, it blows up pretty soon thereafter. Yeah, it does. It does. So, uh, no, but I like it. I, I want to do uh, some more digging into this to see who we got. But I like I like Gene Stick. Gene Stick Michael. I feel like his he he pops up in like a in a in a blue hologram at Yankee Stadium. And, and, <laughs> and Brian Cashman's talking to him. He's like, look, the computers. Well, he's gonna start listening to he's him. He's like. Stick, you didn't have computers. I have computers now. What do I do? What am Stick I supposed to do? To his head, it was all. Yeah, up the here. computers are here. They've changed. Everything the game, you have, Stick. Brian, is up here. Everything you have. Listen to the force. Okay. Uh, next episode, I think we'll be doing our GM plans. It'll come out next week at some point. I don't know when. Do you want to? Do you want to set a date? Well, we were we were lining it up for right as the World Series it was going to end because it had to be before the Yankees made a, um, a move, their first move. And their first move is, as we know it now, three days after this World Series is over. 
So, so you want to do that episode before the Yankees make their decision on Zach Britton? Yes. Even though we're okay. both going to have the same answer. <laughs> yeah, I know. It just throws like a giant wrench if the Yankees end up not picking up that option. Then it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, we'll see. We will see. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Continue to submit your mailbag questions, and you can also submit some Star Wars comps if you have a couple. Uh, Scott doesn't know any of the names, so you can yell at him for that. The new guys, I have no idea what their names are. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show... We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.